we are reading Psalm 107, 1 through 33 and 45. Uh, Father bless. Let's see. Okay. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and they were thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he is filled with what is good. There were those who dwelt in the darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the word of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled, and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. <coughs> he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. Fools, because of their rebellious ways and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Let us give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonder to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens, they went down to the depths. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet. So he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people 
and praise him at the seat of elders. Who is wise? Let him give heed to these things and consider the loving kindness of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. 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 <laughs> morning to you and also to you. That's our liturgy. Good morning to you and also to you. It's good. Uh, great to be together. Beautiful, another beautiful morning, beautiful set of weeks we've had here. The mornings have been incredible, haven't they? Just glorious. And the, and the sunsets as well. It's been so good and uh, a good time to talk about this psalm. We're going to talk about gratitude today. Uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been going through the Psalms this summer, and, and what we've seen in the Psalms is the Psalms articulate every possible human emotion and experience. And we've looked at uh, experiencing guilt, we've looked at experiencing grief, we've looked at experiencing anger, experiencing anxiety. Uh, last week we looked at praise, and today we're going to talk about thanksgiving gratitude, which is really a, a companion to praise, I think. I wanted to put these two together, They're, though they are different, but very related. And so I want to talk about gratitude today. And before we look at this psalm, uh, there's, a, there's a, a quote from Dallas Willard that's been kind of the quote of the summer for me, actually. And I want to, oops, oops, do I not have that quote? Oh, that's so tragic. Is it right there? Oh, how sad. Wow, well, here's the quote. The ultimate freedom we have as individuals is the power to select what we will allow or require our minds to dwell, to dwell upon and think about. Let me say it again because that was a horrible reading. Uh, the ultimate freedom we have as individuals is the power to select what we will allow or require our minds to dwell upon and think about. Simple but very prof profound. The ultimate freedom every human being has is the freedom to, to, think, you know, to decide what goes on in here, right? There's a lot that goes on out here that I have no control over. My circumstances, my health, what other people choose to do. But no matter what is going on in my circumstances, of all places, I have a choice in what goes on here. What will I fix my thoughts on? What will I allow? What will I require my mind to think about? And we might argue, I don't have a 100% choice out, up, even up here, right? Sometimes things sort of, thoughts just come, so I want to acknowledge that. But here more than anywhere else, this is a domain where I, I get to decide. Um, what am I going to think about? And I think sometimes we forget that. We think, oh, no, I don't, I, things just kind of happen in here. And it's, it's just sort of the way it is in there. And I, you know, but, but we, have, we have an ability to consider that and to think about that. And... Um, we forget that. And, and there's huge implications for that. And the, the implication is what I choose to dwell on and think about in here has massive implications for my life, for how I experience the world. And so I'll, I want to give you this, uh, this image. This week, this is the image that came to my mind. Is I picture your mind like, a, like a, a wide open field, okay? It's an open field, and you have the ability to make choices about what you will choose to think about, to, to dwell upon, uh, and to consider in your mind. 
And, and what you'll notice about minds and about fields is over time, we tend to go down the same paths in our minds over time. And so you can see we start to kind of uh, blaze these trails. You've got, a, you've got obviously some, uh, some wheel tracks there. And, but you, you kinda, we tend to have some repeated thoughts, and they kind of become these well-worn paths in our minds. And then those become, over time, easier and easier to travel, right, than the ones that we don't travel very often. And so we can kind of tread paths of anxiety. We can tread paths of resentment or of comparison or of gratitude, uh, but what, what we choose to dwell on will over time really impact how free we are to continue to choose to dwell on those things. And it's really interesting, like, like neuroscience today is, is telling us that we have the ability to even change the makeup of our minds. We, by how we respond to things and, and what we're thinking about, we are actually forming neuropathways, right? That the, the brain itself is forming pathways based on what we, how we respond to stimulus and, and things like that. And the, the good news is, is we have something called neuroplasticity, which means we have the ability to actually form new pathways and to retrain our habits of thought. But when you think about that, um, you know, it'd be interesting to think about what paths have you been going down lately? And it really matters. It really matters what we're thinking about, what we're considering. Uh, those become sort of these patterns that get established over time. And so Scripture says so much about the mind. Right? So much of Scripture's calls are about the mind. Most famously, Romans 12, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And of all the transforming things we might do, gratitude, thanksgiving, is one of the most, I think, powerfully transforming activities of the mind that can radically shape our experience of life. And so it's not a surprise, I don't think, that Scripture so regularly calls us to thanksgiving, right? Give thanks in all circumstances. Do this with thanksgiving, with grateful hearts. Whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, all these things, think about those kinds of things. In our passage today, verse 1 says, give Thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And it ends in verse 43 with this. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. Right? Scripture is saying we want to we tread these paths of gratitude. That this becomes the thing that our, our hearts and our minds naturally does all the time in light of all that God has done for us. So I want to, that's a long setup uh, just to ask you um, to consider, what, how's your gratitude meter doing these days? You know, where's, where's your gratitude me meter? Or what, what have been the paths that your mind has been traveling down over the last couple of weeks? Okay, what are those kind of just consistent paths that your mind is going down? I'm sure you have some scripts that have been running, right? And uh, I just want to remind you this morning that, that, you know, when it comes to gratitude, on the one hand, gratitude is just an invitation to joy, okay? Grateful people are joyful people. Grateful people are happy people. Um, but I also want to say uh, that gratitude is also a discipline, uh, which is why it can be commanded, <laughs> right? It's something we have to practice. We sometimes have to fight for 
gratitude. And some of us, for some of us, gratitude comes easy, but others, like we really have to fight for it. It's a discipline, and that's why it can be commanded. It's funny. Um, I'm seeing Gina Carpenter right over here, and uh, on Wednesday, uh, this is G-Money is what I call her, because um, she's money in all ways, and she actually handles the money, so it's like a perfect fusion of of uh, name, but um, uh, she knows where this is going. So she's just coming by my office uh, in the morning on Wednesday. We just talked, and she said, how are you doing this week? And, and I said, you know, I'm grumpy, actually. It was the word I, I like, in, in the, the first half of this week, there were just, like, scripts. There were, there was paths I was, my mind was walking down. It wasn't really circumstantial. That were just kind of darker, not, not encouraging paths. Like, I'm just, I'm just grumpy. And, yeah, you know, and, and the irony is I'm actually teaching on gratitude this Sunday. And, and I go... <laughs> Oh, I see what's going on here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I see. Um, but it was kind of funny. And that actually, that, that I don't know if we've talked about this since then, that recognition, oh, that's what's going on, changed my mindset for the rest of the week. Um, but some of, us, some of us have to fight for gratitude. Uh, and that's okay. Um, we're called to do that. So let's, um, let's look into this beautiful psalm. Love this psalm. That begins with that, that fundamental call, give thanks to the Lord, verse 1, and the reason is for he is good, most fundamentally, and his love endures forever. We've talked a lot about the steadfast love, the chesed of God that endures forever. That phrase, his love endures forever, is repeated like five times in this, in this, um, in this psalm. That's the fundamental reason why we have to give thanks, because we have a God who is full of steadfast fast love and then you get in verse 2 really the 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 verse that sets the tone for the rest of this psalm let the redeemed of the lord tell their story okay and god's unfailing love expresses itself in so many specific and concrete acts of redemption and rescue and provision right in all these ways that we've all experienced in our in our very unique and particular ways and so the call is, let the redeemed share their stories. Let's hear about the steadfast love of the Lord with one another so that we might together give thanks. And what we get for the rest of the psalm, essentially, is uh, four scenarios of redemption. I'm calling it a, a spiritual topography. Okay? It's where people found themselves in certain circumstances, and they're almost, they're, in the psalm, they're physical places or circumstances where they were in deep need, and at some point, sometimes the need uh, wasn't their fault, and sometimes it was brought on by their own sin, okay? But they find themselves in a desperate situation, and they cry out to the Lord, and in his unfailing love, he rescues and delivers them. And the call is, so then let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love, and let them tell their stories, okay? And we'll just kind of walk through this pretty quickly but we've got these, these four images of redemption uh, and rescue. And I, I hope that you can relate to at least one of these. Um, these are kind of physical again, but maybe spiritually or metaphorically uh, you'll relate to these. So let me just walk, walk through them quickly. Uh, verse 4, here's the first scenario is the desert. Verse 4, some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no, uh, no way to a city where they could settle, they were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Okay, here's the first scenario. It is the scenario of wilderness. 
desert. And we've talked a lot about the wilderness uh, in the last year or so, going through our Exodus series. Uh, but in this psalm, the, the wilderness, uh, there's two things about the wilderness. Wil- the wilderness is a place of wandering, okay? It's a place where you, you don't know exactly where you're headed, and it's like a, a place of homelessness. There's, you don't have this place of home base and belonging. Uh, and, of course, it's a place of dryness. It's a place where the provisions have dried up, things that you're used to are gone, or, or maybe it's a spiritually dry season. So it's, it's an image of, of sort of wandering, non-belonging, and, and dryness and lack of provision. And, of course, Israel as a nation experienced this for 40 years. And uh, various individuals experienced that. But we've talked a lot about this. M- many of us uh, have experienced the wilderness in some capacity. Some of you right now are in a, a wilderness season where it just feels like, gosh, the usual refreshment, provision, blessing has just kind of been pulled away from me. And it's just a, this is a dry, stark season of really not knowing what to do. And in this psalm, these people found themselves in the wilderness. And it says, and they, they cried out to the Lord. And in his unfailing love, uh, he heard them. And he brought them into a city, right? He brought them to a place of belonging, and he refreshed their souls. And many of us can speak to that experience of God leading us out of the wilderness to a place of refreshment, to a place of provision again, where God, where the the rain starts falling again on our lives. And this is the call to those who have been rescued from the wilderness. Look at verse 8. Here's the call. You're going to hear this four times. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. And that is the call. Give thanks. Give thanks. Gratitude. All right, let's look at the second group of people. Look at verse 10. Some sat in darkness and utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor, they stumbled and there was no one to help, but then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. All right, here's the second scenario, is this image of a dark dungeon, okay? It's an image of darkness, despair, and it's also an image of bondage, of slavery, right? And again, Israel as a nation experienced this because of their disobedience in the promised land, just as God had promised, right? He brought the Assyrians and then the Babylonians, carried them off into bondage, into slavery, in exile. And this is the experience of many individuals. Uh, Some of us maybe have literally been in a prison, Um, but but the dark dungeon is those those seasons of, of darkness, of um, maybe grief, despair. Um, times actually probably when we're waking up more in the middle of the night, we're actually experiencing the, the dark hours of the night, uh, literally sometimes more than usual. Uh, and it's times or, and or times of, like I said, of bondage, right? A lack of freedom. Times maybe where we're caught in uh, the bondage of, of addiction. Uh, again, the bondage of grief. Um, maybe the bondage of past memories 
of things that were done to us or things that we did uh, that we regret. It is, it is a, a season where we just feel bound and dark, and there is not freedom, and there is not joy. And it's a heavy, hard season, right? And many of us in this room have been through those kinds of seasons, and we know it is to cry out to the Lord in the wee hours of the night and to cry out again and again. And then many of us, thankfully, have experiences of God redeeming us and rescuing us from those moments, right? Sometimes dramatically it can happen and bonds are broken. God breaks the bonds of addictions. He breaks the bonds of some hold on our hearts. He changes our circumstances. Or sometimes it happens gradually over time. But this is clearly what God did with Israel. He heard their cry and he rescued them from prison and he brought them back into the land. And if we have experienced that kind of rescue, here's the call. Look at verse 15. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Our God has the power to break chains, and he has done that for many of us in this room. And the call is, if he has done that for you, give thanks. Let the redeemed share their story. Next one, number 17. Ooh, this is, this is, getting, this is getting real here. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Uh, this is an image of, of affliction. This is a painting uh, about the prodigal son. So this is the, the prodigal son in his moment of, of affliction. But, um, you know, this is something that, that Israel experienced multiple times. They would disobey the Lord. They rebel against the Lord, and the Lord sometimes would send affliction their way. He would sometimes send disease their way, or he would send uh, challenges their way, and they would experience the consequences of their own foolish choices, the afflictions brought on by their own sin. And uh, I, I look at the language uh, of this description specifically. It, um, it so reminds me of, this is so like Romans 1, and language, right? They became fools through their rebellious ways. And, and Romans 1 talks about how human beings, uh, we know, we can understand the truths about God, um, but we didn't want to acknowledge that truth. We didn't want to embrace God's version of reality. We want our own version of reality because we want to do what we want to do. And that's the choice that every human being makes <laughs> at some point in their lives. And then what happens in Romans 1 and here, and then we suffer the consequences of our foolish independent ways, because we're, we're working against the grain of the universe. We're working against the God who created us. And so we become fools, and then we, we suffer from our foolish choices. And I just think, like, how much do we see that in the world today, where people are, are disregarding God in whatever category of life you can pick, and saying, no, I don't really care what, you know, what that would be. I just want to pursue my own version of reality, 
And then we just, you just look at the world and you watch people just suffer as a result of their own version of reality. Like living that out and how it just plays out in these ways. And we could, I could give you a million examples that we could all think of. And, and we're looking at a world right now, and probably always, where it, it's suffering the affliction, afflictions of its own foolish choices. And every single one of us in this room can testify at the times where we have suffered the affliction of our own foolish, <laughs> independent, stubborn choices. And these people in, in this psalm, and we hopefully in our lives, cry out to the Lord, right? And what does he do? The, the beautiful thing, I, I think, is, is we have a God who, even when we've suffered our own choices, and we've rebelled against him, the minute, just as in the prodigal son, the minute we're willing to acknowledge that and turn back to him, we have a God who is like, I am waiting for you with open arms. Okay? If you are willing to acknowledge and confess and repent and turn to me, you're not going to find a guy who's going to put up a bunch of barriers to you coming home to him. Like, I am here for you. My forgiveness is available to you today. You do not have to delay. And he, sometimes the healing takes place over time because there's consequences to what we've done. Um, but we have this God who, when we cry out to him and return to his ways, is there with forgiveness and with spiritual healing, sometimes even with physical healing, relational healing, all the healings that need to happen because of all the brokenness of, of the choices we've made. And if that is us, if we have experienced our own choices and the consequences and we've cried out to the Lord and experienced his freedom and his forgiveness and healing, here's the call, verse 21. You should be getting used to it by now. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. And then one final scenario. Look at verse 23. Some went out on, sea, on the sea in ships. They were merchants on mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Okay? Here's the final picture is, is a stormy sea. And this, this sounds a lot like the story of Jonah, doesn't it? Right? Jonah experiences It kind of sounds like the story of, of the disciples at the Sea of Galilee, right? I mean, literally, Jesus, hush, you know, shush, be quiet, and stilled the, the storm there. Uh, but I've always thought, I mean, especially growing up around the ocean, uh, a storm at sea is such a great picture sometimes of what life feels like. Uh, and these, in this case, these, uh, these sailors, they didn't do anything wrong, right? They're just out at sea. This is not a, a consequence of their choices. But you think about a stormy sea and, and the waves of life, right? And sometimes it just feels like, oh, man, life just feels overwhelming right now. Like there are forces at work that are bigger than me, that are beyond my control. Uh, maybe even if I feel like I'm drowning. I'm just, I'm just trying to hold my head above water. Right? We, we use all these metaphors uh, to talk about how life is sometimes. Again, it may not have been our fault, but we find ourselves in these, these moments where just, man, there's no peace right now. Everything just feels stirred up and, and, and just overwhelming. And we know what it is to, to cry out to the Lord, Lord, you are in control of all these things. You can... You can bring shalom. You can bring peace to this. I, these things are out of my control. This person, this situation, this issue, 
it, it just feels overwhelming, but you can do something about it. Many of us know what it's like to experience that, and we know what it's like to cry out to God, and then we know what it's like for God, you know, in his own way at some point just to go, shh, <laughs> and for circumstances to subside, for God to bring his peace in ways that we never could have in our own power, right? And again, sometimes that can happen dramatically all at once. Sometimes it takes place slowly over time, and slowly the, the waves and wind die down. But many of you have recently come out of a stormy time, and you are now in a time of peace. And if that is you, <laughs> here's the call. Verse 31, let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Amen? This is what I would call, this is our um, spiritual topography. And what I love about this is, you know, of course, literally many of us haven't experienced these circumstances. But uh, if God has grabbed a hold of your life, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, then actually this is your spiritual story. Right? This is precisely what has happened for every single one of us spiritually. When we were, when we were wandering without a home, right? God adopted us into his family in Jesus Christ. When we were stuck in a prison of our own sin and our own guilt, right, and the consequences of that, God redeemed us through the death of Jesus Christ, freed us from those, those chains, and has brought us to a place of spiritual freedom. Uh, when we were suffering the afflictions of our own sinful choices, God healed us, right? He brought wholeness into our lives. When we find ourselves, or when we found ourselves maybe in the spiritual storm of, of, of spiritual forces way beyond our control, God stepped in and brought his shalom through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. This is our story, right? And so the call is, let us give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Let the redeemed of the Lord, I'm looking at them all right here, let the redeemed of the Lord tell the stories of redemption. And what I love, this is the last thing I'll say about this psalm, is I love verse 1 begins by saying his love endures forever, okay, singular love. Like love is a quality that God has, right? It's part of who he is, so the overarching quality of him. But the psalm ends in verse 30, 43 by saying this, let us, last phrase, ponder literally the loves, plural, or it's translated here, the loving deeds of the Lord, right? So verse 1 the love of the Lord, right, his, his quality of love, but it ends by saying, ponder the loves, the loving deeds, meaning the unfailing love of God expresses itself in so many tangible, specific, very diverse uh, individual experiences and expressions of his love that we all have encountered in all our various ways. And so I was picturing this week, I was imagining um, that in, in eternity, there's a book Okay, when we, we get there. And the book is called The Loving Deeds of the Lord. And it's a huge book. Okay? It goes through human history and it has in it recorded all the loving deeds of the Lord. And what's so beautiful is each one of our stories in this room is a vignette, right? A chapter or maybe a subchapter uh, in this grand book called The Loving Deeds of the Lord. And so we're called to tell our stories, and we're called to give thanks. 
So let me, let me close with this. You know, I started by, by talking about our minds and uh, I think how important gratitude is for us as individuals. It's, it's just a really important part of our spiritual health. But as I kind of studied this psalm this week, I realized really what this is all about is not just um, gratitude for us as individuals, but this is about being a community of gratitude. Right? This is about gratitude in the, in the body of Christ. Let the redeemed share their stories because, because gratitude isn't meant to be kept private. Right? Gratitude is something that's meant to be shared. God's acts in our lives are not meant to be just delighted in by us, but they're meant to be shared so that they can echo into gratitude uh, around us. It's, it's so fun. Just this week, uh, a friend of mine, uh, he's just recently come out of a really dark, I would say that second picture, the dark dungeon, that's where he's been for, for a time. Just kind of emotionally heavy, dark, challenging season. And the Lord has delivered him from that. And he was just texting a group of us, um, just sharing his, just his gratitude. And we've all watched it happen. But his act of, of sharing it with us gives, uh, I mean, it echoes into our lives. And now we're feeling the gratitude because we're seeing God at work in our friend's life. And he's sharing it with us. And it, it's contagious. And so gratitude is, is, is meant not just for, for individuals, but it's meant for the community. And that's so important because on any given Sunday, think about this, there are many of you who are in one of those four places right now, right? Life is hard. Gratitude doesn't come easy right now. And so especially because of that, we need all of us sharing the story. So even if I'm in that place of darkness, I'm being reminded by my brother or sister of how God is at work in them. And then one day it'll be my turn to share another story of mine. And so we need to be sharing these stories with one another. I want to leave you with... The, the biblical image of the body of Christ, right? That we, that's, what, that's what the New Testament calls us. We're the body of Christ. Uh, when one part suffers, right, the whole thing suffers. One part is honored, the whole, the whole is honored. We're, we're connected with one another. And I was thinking about that metaphor of, of a human body and us as the body of Christ. And I was thinking about the, um, the body's immune system, Okay. So right, each of our bodies has an immune system. We have a set of um, antibodies and, and cells that are meant to, to fight off foreign invaders. So when the flu or when the cold or whatever's coming our way, right, our immune system's there to fight it off. And when our immune system is strong, we tend to fight it off. But when we're really tired or, or injured or overly stressed and our immune system is a little deficient, that's when we're susceptible, of course, to outside threats, right? And I was thinking this week, I think gratitude is like one of the primary immune system powers of the body of Christ. Right? Gratitude is this thing that when, when it is operating in, in, in the community, um, we are strong to the susceptibilities of outside things. Things like division, things like envy, things like um, jealousy, things like depression, things like anxiety or apathy, um, or all sorts of temptations, right? Have you ever noticed when you're grateful, um, it's hard to be grateful and anxious at the same time. It's hard to be grateful and jealous at the same time, right? I mean, it's possible, but it's pretty hard. <laughs> um, it's hard to be grateful, yeah, and, and apathetic. <laughs> it's hard to be grateful and, and proud at the same time. Grateful, gratitude is a very humbling experience. And so I think of it like it's like the, the body of Christ's immune system. 
when gratitude is present, all these other things just, they don't get traction. But when we are gratitude deficient as a community, that's when anxiety, that's when temptation, that's when conflict and division uh, pops in. And I don't know if you've been noticing, but if, if you look it out at the world today, I think the world, uh, the world's immune system is very gratitude deficient right now, right? Very, gra- more than I've ever seen, very gratitude deficient. And what that means is it's very vulnerable and susceptible to things like division and anger and all the things that we see going on. And so we have this really, I think, pretty epic opportunity as the body of Christ to be salt and light in the world right now, to be a distinctly grateful people. And when you think about, of all people in the world, Christians, those who believe they've experienced what we think we've experienced, have more reason than anybody to be grateful. And so how great would it be if whatever else people think about us in the world, about our ideas or our thoughts or even our behaviors, what if they knew us, you know what, for all, they're crazy, they're little crazy Christians, but they're very grateful people. When I encounter a Christian, I, they, they're just, they're full of thanksgiving. What a sweet testimony that would be. And it's so good for us. So with that, let us give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Let's pray together and then let's sing songs of gratitude that tell the story of redemption. Well, Father, this morning we're fully aware of all the challenges in this room, the the various things that people are going through um, circumstantially, emotionally, spiritually. We know that life is not easy, and yet we also know that underneath that there is so much reason to give thanks. There is always your salvation and the work that you're doing in our lives. Um, Spiritually, circumstantially, you are so good to us, Father. Uh, And for many of us in this room, it's just so much easier to focus on the negative. And so we just ask for your help. Surely that's a prayer that you love, <laughs> that you would want to answer. Would you help us? Spirit, would you move in us, producing gratitude, thanks, joy, contentment, and a focus on all that is good and loving and pure, which is ultimately uh, a deeper and deeper focus on you. So fill our hearts with thanks, Lord. Even as we sing to you now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.